Bear Down Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin, back at it again. Y'all already know we got to talk about the Jalen Johnson situation. This seems to be... There was some uh, there was some bus throwing yesterday. There was some people thrown under a bus. And, uh, you know, listen, he's made a comment about where he feels he should rank as far as being paid in the NFL. Are we all in on Jalen Johnson being here? All that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do. Courtney, how are you? The weather is not getting better. You know, it's a little bit warmer, but we're good. We're good. It's, you know, we're a couple of days away from the divisional round starting. So it's it's nice to have it be a little bit quieter right now. But we're all just waiting to see when they're going to announce the offensive coordinator hiring because now there's seven candidates in or seven reported candidates. I don't know if Marcus Brady has an interview date lined up just yet, but yeah. The longer they wait, the more they have to worry about other teams maybe poaching their candidates. But yeah, it's that time of year. We're just waiting for something to happen. And that list is getting like, I'm not, no disrespect to any of the more recent guys that have been named, but the list is getting more and more like, all right, this is, this is Frank Wright's buddy that he probably told Flus was a good guy to interview. Like, I don't, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting a little nervous. But I want to start with the Jalen Johnson content because I thought yesterday, first off, um, was was that the first episode of Keyshawn Johnson's podcast? Was just that that just the first so. episode that we were privy to? Because I've never seen it before. So it came. I remember seeing something that he was getting his own podcast, like a spinoff with Fox, because he's been right. doing Undisputed, and that's the first one that I've seen. But remember, if you go back to May, June of 2023, when it was Keyshawn J. Will and Max at ESPN Radio, yeah. Jalen Johnson broke, I guess you would say, like his silence about why he wasn't at like the first couple OTAs on yeah. that show. Like, I don't know. I remember seeing Keyshawn at camp last year. I'm like, okay, what's the connection between you and Jalen? Obviously, you have the yeah. same last name. Doesn't necessarily mean that like you're related, but um, it, it is peculiar that, you know, the two of them. Have, Are they related? Did we? Did I don't. We I don't honestly know that. I just remember seeing Keyshawn at camp last year with a family, you know, family and friends pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, huh? Is there something to this? Because this was a couple months after the interview that um, Jalen had on KJM, and I don't know. I still don't know the answer to that. I know they're both from California. Um, yeah. They might have the same agency, I believe. Like, it might be represented by the same people. But it is. It is interesting that he went on the show. Talk not only about his own contract situation, but Justin Fields. And this is the first time, and you mean he's away from the building, so you can be right. a little bit more comfortable in what you're saying uh, and not having to worry about, like, you know, hurting feelings or he's not going to say stuff in the middle of the year when, like, people are still employed. But I felt like his comments on coaching kind of took a swipe at Luke Getze and the system that Justin Fields was in. And he said, like, you know, Justin hasn't been able to flourish because he's had a bunch of different offensive coordinators he'll be on coordinator number three in four years yeah. regardless of whether it's in chicago or somewhere else and it's probably the most honest we've heard a current teammate on the record um talking about the situation with the quarterback that we know jalen johnson is behind justin fields and he's you know one of those very vocal supporters of him but to speak of it in this manner is the first time we've heard him go into detail like that and it's not a lot of detail but you can tell like Players kind of had a feeling about this during the year that maybe Justin wasn't in the best situation on a week-to-week -week basis for his growth. 
Yeah, it, it, I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't surprised to hear Jalen say that because of how many people have said it. I was mm-hmm. surprised how hard he went at it, though, right? Like, we've heard DJ Moore say there needs to be better play calling here. We've sure. heard Flus polls say we need to do more to actually push the ball downfield. Jalen Johnson was basically like, listen, you want to know why Justin Fields <laughs> isn't a good football player? Look at the offensive coordinators he's had since he's been here. And I think that is... Of course, there's going to be the Caleb Williams, Justin Fields, the whole narrative that comes out of that. Like, is this the reason why you don't take Justin? But mm-hmm. I think to me, that's the that's been the biggest sin of the Chicago Bears for years. We talked about it before where it's like the offensive coordinator position could be the most important position. This year is so important to get this right because this is the one shot you're going to have to either to, to develop two top 15 guys. You can either be developing Caleb Williams or you could be developing Justin Fields, who you took 11th overall. This is your last chance at this bite at the apple probably for a while because you would hope that this team is going to continue to get better. Yeah, and that's something that they're going to have to figure out now that they're drafting as it currently stands at 1-9. and nine. The last time I was looking back at this, I think it was the 0-2 draft was the mm-hmm. last time they had like two in the top 10. Um, you don't – It did have- not work out. You, yeah, one of those guys, I believe, was Rex Grossman. Like you it was. You yes. don't have those options all that often. So, like, when you do, you got to nail it, and they know that. Um, and the players know that too. I just, you know, what we what we've heard what we heard from Jalen Johnson. You know, it, the reason it's kind of, I guess, like it raises an eyebrow is because you have a defensive player talking about an offensive player, and you know, typically you just, I mean, DJ Moore has credence to do that. He was in the same offense, like he right. was benefiting and not benefiting from the offense, from the quarterback play, all of that. Jalen Johnson's witnessing this as a bystander. Granted, he's part of the team, but he's witnessing it. And that's like through his own perspective where he says, you can tell when Justin's comfortable in the pocket versus when he's not. And pointing to, you know, a perceived lack of talent, lack of playmakers around Justin Fields. It's the same stuff we've heard about the value, the evaluation of Justin Fields for the last like year or so that, you know, some of that at some point, I just I would love to hear because I, I I understand like guys are never going to say anything negative about the guy on their team that they support, who has been in that locker room, who's been put through a lot. But at any point, is, is anybody going to say anything that like has like any shred of a balanced viewpoint, not just like leaning one way for Justin Fields or leaning the other kid? Like, I'm still waiting on a player to give a nuanced take that's not just solely in support of Justin Fields. It wasn't. You can throw coaches under the bus all you want. Yeah. You know, there, somebody has to be the scapegoat, but it's not all Luke Getzey. It wasn't all like you know the offensive system and the staff that failed Justin Fields this year is the reason that you know this offense didn't get to its full potential. I'd love to hear a player with a a, a some nuance in there to explain why something didn't succeed the way they had hoped. And it would love to hear it from an offensive player because it just feels like we're going the extremes. And that's, you know, if you're riding with your guy, I, I totally respect it. I understand it. We know that like, it's, it's not breaking news. I'm not going to waste air talking about the fact that Justin Fields has unanimous support of the locker room. Like yeah. I've reported that a lot. Um, and I mean, other people have too, that's not groundbreaking, but I just would love to hear a more balanced take on, yeah, well, maybe some of this is on Justin. Maybe some of it's on play calling, like trying to like do kind of what we do. I'd love to hear that from people inside the building. Um, you know, particularly if players are going to talk about this because they're going to be asked about it during the off season as Jalen Johnson was. Yeah. I think, I think that's the part that's, 
that makes it hard to almost evaluate kind of, okay, how much of it was Justin? Because I do think that, listen, I've, I've said this multiple times. There's a ton of things Justin needs to improve on. Uh, holding the ball too long is his biggest sin. It's the reason that he broke his thumb. He's holding the football too long. He's not making decisions. But it it, it is almost like the players are like, no, Luke was – I almost feel like we're trying to make it where maybe he he wasn't as bad as we as we saw on the field. And it seems like all the players in the locker room are like, no, that guy was as bad as everything you saw on the field and more because you never hear it now in, in a year like this, right? There's probably also, that's my guy. I don't sure. want him to get traded. Of I'm not going to say anything negative because it's going to go against him. And then people are going to use that against him. I do think that that aspect plays into it, but it is interesting to me. Like I, I remember Jimmy Graham saying, there's a lot that Mitch needs to do and he knows what he needs to do. He said that publicly. I remember seeing guys on that the previous Bears regime that were like, he's got to get better in these areas, but we also got to get better together. There doesn't seem to be any of that here, even in a situation with Jalen Johnson where Keyshawn asked him about it, and you wouldn't be surprised to hear some of those things from Jalen. The only – the closest I would say that we've got – we got to that this year was, I mean, DJ Moore is, he's the alpha on that offense. Like when he speaks, what he says carries weight. There've been times, I mean, he's been dead honest about Justin Fields. Like he needs to be better. We need, but like, he'll also then put the onus on himself the way that Fields will do. We'll be like, we need to be better. I need to be better. And that's, that is the right way to do it. But I just don't know if you're ever going to have anybody shed light on it that way because then immediately the perception from the vultures coming in from the outside is oh okay they see they see something's wrong there like that's you know if the players see it then the organization sees it the front office sees it etc etc and then you like spiral down into a hot or cold gray or uh, black or white no gray area sort of take and that's not that's not how the front office evaluates things like again nuance is important in this conversation and you know, the closest that we got to that was maybe a couple times from DJ Moore, like explaining how he saw things because he was on the receiving end of misses. He was on the receiving end. And Justin Fields' numbers, as I wrote in the story yesterday, like when he's targeting DJ Moore, like, you know, it, it's just infinitely better than any other receiver. Now, is that on the other receivers for not being as good as DJ Moore, for not being as talented? Or is that on Justin Fields for not having that chemistry? Look at the way that that fell off with Darnell Mooney and everything else. Like, it's just, it's surprising to me that it still is such a stark, you are either with me or you're not sort of argument because as you brought up with Mitch, as you brought, as we've talked about with other quarterbacks across the league, there's usually for someone who hasn't won anything, there's a lot of unanimous support and direction of this quarterback because I think that his teammates can see They don't want this to be disrupted. They don't want it to be blown up. And Jalen Johnson, who's not under contract next year with the Bears, but kind of is speaking like he is in a way, um, maybe that points to where he feels, it means he certainly, the way he talked with Keyshawn, feels that he's in a position, an advantageous situation with his own contract, that he wants to come back here and have the same quarterback on on offense that you know he's been with for the last three years and i and i can understand that i can understand the support i can understand where he's coming from with it but remember players are never unless if 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 players love a guy they're never gonna like show you the shred of well maybe this maybe that like it just it just doesn't happen like that yeah 
Yeah, no, you. I, I don't expect, especially, like I said, with everything that's happening this season where it could be his job, it could not be his job, mm-hmm. they're not going to give you any of that. It, maybe next year, if he was retained, you would see some of that. Or if he's traded away, you know, and, and Caleb comes in and balls out, you'll hear some guys go, oh, yeah, he does these things differently. And, he, and usually differently means he's doing it a little bit better. Yeah, uh, yeah you, you'll get the, well, they're not really the same. It's not apples to apples. Caleb's a little bit different than Justin. Usually when you hear differently, it means I think he's better at this, but I'm not going to call out my guy because that's my guy. The one thing that Jalen said, though, that I thought really stuck out, and again, it goes back to the coordinator talk that we had to start off the podcast, was that he understands where Justin Fields is coming from because of how many different coordinators he's had since he's been there. And to me, that was a conversation that immediately in my mind went to, was this the reason why a lot of these guys wanted to keep Floosh? You don't want to start rotating in a mm-hmm. ton of different coordinators. At a minimum, you know if Floosh is here, you're keeping your job, you're getting paid, and you're not going anywhere because Floosh is going to run this 4-3, 42-nickel type scheme. That's what I heard the second that he was like, you know, I understand – how Justin feels, because I've been through all of the coordinators as well. And you go through the list, and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot we had, like, Sean Desai come in here. And we had, you know what I mean? Like, there has been a litany of guys since since Vic Fangio left. Yeah, nobody wants to have change every single year because that makes your do- your job infinitely harder when you have to come in in April for OTAs or start of May, and you're learning a new defense. You're learning a new offense. Like, it'd be nice to have that carry over from year to year where you can pick up in the spring after you've done your off season stuff, you've recovered, you've had surgery, you've done whatever you need to do. And then you come back in and you take away like the classroom element of like, man, I got to start over from ground, you know, from the ground floor. I've got to go learn an entire new scheme, new responsibilities, new rules, all these things. So of course, like every player is going to want to be able to pick up where they left off. And for this team, seeing how well they played defensively the back end of the season, why would you want to switch that up? Like you, you were starting to see the fruits of your labor and to be able to build on that instead of, okay, same old, same old, blow it up. Let's start all over. That's not, I, that's not an ideal situation for anyone, regardless of whether you're on a winning team that is you know, seeing attrition with quarterbacks, or excuse me, with offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators getting hired as head coaches, coaches leaving, and then you have to start over again. Like, look at Philadelphia right now. They lost both their coordinators last year after all the success that they had getting to the Super Bowl, and it wasn't seamless. Yeah. They're going to be looking for a new DC, a new offensive coordinator more than likely, and the roster, in a lot of ways, I know that there was there were losses on defense, there was injury issues on defense, there was, you know, they changed their backfield, like the whole thing. But the talent on that roster, by and large, stayed the same. But you can see what that impact does when the coaching changes. And I think guys want to caution against that because you have such a finite amount of time to play in the NFL where you don't want to be spending the majority of your career having to learn. And then just as you get good at something, it, it starts all over again. Like that's, that's nobody in any career path, any form of um, employment would want to do that. Yeah. It, it's, it's good to see it stay the same because of how these guys are just going to be able to pick up and hopefully get better. Of course, there's a ton of holes you got to fill, but I, I think that 
going into next season, right, it, it makes so much more sense to hold on to Jalen Johnson because of what you saw in the second half of that year. He talked about that as well. And I, I thought that he made some great points. Listen, it there's no more of a game that says pay Jalen Johnson than that last Packers game of the season. Sure. Because you were just trying to figure out how guys were finding their way to get open. Now, there was a complete lack of pressure from the front four, right? And so now all of a sudden the DBs start to look a little bit more like they did before, but you were really missing that pass coverage guy that could be a shutdown guy no matter what. And he talked about kind of like, listen, why why shouldn't I be the highest paid DB in the NFL? Why shouldn't I be the number one guy? Because I'm that level of a talent. We sat here in the beginning of the year, and we talked about how the takeaways was the issue. He's got the takeaways now. Should Jalen Johnson be the highest paid DB in the NFL? He makes a very compelling case. And I know that that Green Bay game, you know, it wasn't, it's no slight on Terrell Smith and Tyreek Stevenson, but it does change. I, I just, I don't know. There was a convenient excuse. Like I can see where players are coming from. And I remember having that conversation with Demarcus Walker that, if anything from this game, it showed that they needed to pay Jalen Johnson. Yeah. But I, and the, the other part of that, like, how about you guys get a pass rush off? Like, come on. Like, that's bullshit in a lot of different respects because it just felt like it, a convenient way to be like, oh, look, look who wasn't here. But also look at what you guys did not do up front. I understand, yeah, Jay, I understand that Jordan Love was getting the ball out quickly that game, but they had zero pressure on the quarterback. He had his lowest pressure rate of his career in that game. And that's just not... It's not like having Jalen Johnson back there. Would it have would it have changed things potentially? But would it have made the ultimate difference? I don't know. Like I thought that that was. I mean, it certainly shows you what the defense looks like without him. But let's not act like that game was going to go a completely different way if one player, if Jalen Johnson was there, because they needed to get a pass rush first. They did. He also was, didn't score a touchdown, so it makes it very hard to win football games. That way. It's just that was. I was just a little. You know, come on, guys. Like I understand how important that is, and of course, Jalen Johnson's impact cannot be measured in stats alone. Um, he takes right. away half the field when he's out there. So, yeah, by that logic, when you think about him and the contract and wanting to get paid, and it's different than before training camp where he's like, I'm not aiming to have Trayvon Diggs money, which at that point was $19.4 million He didn't a year. He didn't reset the cornerback market, but he was, well, let me see here, fourth or fifth um, at yeah. that point. If Jalen Johnson is aiming for Jair Alexander money, which is 21 a year, I think he's made a very compelling argument to get there. Jalen, uh, when Jair was paid in the 2022 offseason, he had four interceptions to his name. Um, career over since he was drafted in 18. Jalen Johnson has that much alone this year. So that was supposed to be the last missing piece. Uh, the last piece of, of the Jalen Johnson overall pie chart, like of, of all the things that he does great. And the Bears are like, all right, let's just see if we can get the takeaways there. He did that. He's lived up to what they want to do um, as a defense. And it's a defense that's predicated on takeaways with getting the pressure up front. All of those reasons show you that he is deserving of that contract. What I'm going to be very curious about is now that Cliff Stein who was their chief legal, you know, their their chief legal counsel. Like he's also for the last for all of his time here, he was the one negotiating contracts. Yeah. Um, for the majority, you know, and Matt Feinstein came in with Ryan Poles, and there was that learning process about how they're gonna do business, the right way to do it. Matt Feinstein came from the management council. He wasn't negotiating the cap 
like negotiating contracts and running the salary cap for a team before he got here. So there was that learning process. Now that he's going to be running that solely, no more Cliff Stein in the building, how do contract negotiations go? Are the Bears who, in previous years, we've seen it. They didn't want to pay Roquan Smith what he felt he was worth. He went, right. and, got, he went and got that from Baltimore. Will Jalen Johnson requesting elite cornerback money, best of the best, I want to be the highest paid guy, will they be willing to do business with him in a different way than maybe, I don't know, Two months ago, when they couldn't come to an agreement at the trade deadline to move to 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 work out a long term extension, when they had yeah. somebody else part of negotiations at that point, might the internal workings inside Hallis Hall, in that respect, have a have a positive impact on Jalen Johnson? We'll see. We don't know yet because they haven't started doing any business um, or any contracts uh, with uh, you know with him or anybody else, but. That's something to keep an eye on that's a little bit more than just, look, Jalen Johnson stated his case. The Bears say that they expect to keep him. How are those talks being orchestrated? Because it it undoubtedly will be different than it was before because of who might be pulling the strings or or at least like leading those discussions. Is it surprising that we haven't heard that they've started talking yet? I mean, no, like I thought not this surprising. was going to be... Okay. No, because I mean, like, I, how far away are they on numbers? Like, Jalen Johnson says he should be the highest paid cornerback. Do the Bears believe that? Do the Bears want to yeah. pay him twenty-one over twenty-one million dollars a year? Like, come on! Like, that's going to be. I would not be surprised if this thing drags out a little bit. It seems like it should be locked up, right? Because Ryan Pohl's comments are one thing when he's like, "Jalen's not going anywhere." All right, well, if you're that confident, show me the money, show me the deal. Yeah. Well, it's January. They got to go find an offensive coordinator and the rest of their offensive staff that they fired um, and replacements for them. They've got to go hire a defensive coordinator down the priority list, you know, and it's not saying that teams can't work on things simultaneously, but, you know, Ryan Poles has kind of a lot on his plate right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're waiting a couple more weeks on this, but I don't know if time, the way that it did before, is going to be indicative of. Man, this is taking a while. This no news is bad news sort of feeling right. that you got with him before, because both sides have stated the desire to work something out. Which is honestly, the Bears lucked out with that because Jalen Johnson could have been like, "Nah, bump this." Like you guys did me dirty in my mind when I did exactly. I was on the tra trajectory. I did exactly what you wanted me to do. You played hardball said that you were only going to take a late first or second for me after I requested a trade, after we couldn't come to an agreement. Now I'm coming back, like coming to the table saying, I want to be here, like reward me for that. So, I yeah. mean, if it gets, if it gets contentious, then that's going to, I'm sorry, like, that's going to have a real negative effect on the rest of this locker room. And also guys who are going to want to get paid, who are going to look at Chicago and say, I saw how they did one of their own. Like, and we don't have any indication to believe that that's going to happen. If the general manager right. says something, believe him until he proves that he's, until he proves otherwise. Like, they were very adamant with Roquan Smith and the way they talked about that. They're like, no, we don't want to trade him. No, we don't want to do any of this. And obviously, it got to a point where they're like, no, we're not paying you what you believe you're worth, being the highest paid off ball linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. Move on. We'll go handle this. We're going to handle this by bringing in two guys basically for the price of one. Like, Believe him. Like every step of the way, Ryan Poles like was never sugarcoated anything with that situation. And I think with the Jalen Johnson contract, you can expect 
two years of learning how these things have gone, how poorly they've gone in certain respects, but also how well they went when knowing that the Cole Komet deal got done. And this will be, you know, his, it went, you know, assuming their timeline is lining up, like when this gets done, right. whenever it is, this is his second massive deal that he will have pulled off as a general manager. Yeah, I know there were some other ones. Andrew Billings got the extension. You know, he did a multi-year small thing for Kari Blasting game. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the big ones to be able to determine, okay, like, are you are you living up to what you say you're going to do as a general manager? And are you, are you doing right by the players too? Because to your point of keeping things the same on defense, like regardless of whether – they were switching out scheme or anything like that. Let's say they fired Flues. Let's just pop, right. like play that one out. You want a player like Jalen Johnson here, regardless. 100%. Like that's you know he's a multiplier in the same way that Montez Sweat is. So like that's somebody like if you have one of those, if you one of those cornerstone building block pieces of your defense, you don't let them go. You just don't. Especially do that. on a uh, on a year where, <laughs> listen, I'm not gonna lie. A questionable. I I get uh, uh, Bland had all the pick sixes and stuff like that, but like we knew what he was in coverage without a pass rush. Like sure. Jalen Johnson's a better corner than than Bland is. He's all. John Bland's also a rookie, so like Jalen Johnson, you now have a four season sample size to know. Right. Okay, he's progressively gotten better every year. It hasn't been like okay, like year three, and then he dropped off this year. Like yeah, he's been put in better situations this year. He's focused on his he focused on the things that they asked him to, one of which the major thing was takeaways and he got better at it. Like oh, if yeah. you if you ask somebody to do that and this again, this has like a trickle down effect for the rest of the team, offense, defense, whatever. If you ask them to do something, players, they do it and then you don't follow through on your word, that that's not good for yep. the culture that you're building, but also for like the goodwill that you have between yourself and the players. So it's just like, now we're just waiting. Like the only thing that I would caution against is that, you know, when Jalen's talking, like, I feel like I'm in, you know, I'm paraphrasing here cause I don't have it directly in front of me. When he, when he was saying that he feels like he's in the driver's seat or whatever it was yeah, about, yeah, yeah. you know, I feel like I'm kind of in control here. They can still franchise tag you. Let's not forget that. That's an $18.4 million fully guaranteed salary. Like that's, for one year and they can do that they can also work a deal out but like i just i hope it doesn't get to the point of a franchise tag with him i just i hope it doesn't because just just work the freaking deal out before then like the deadline for to apply the tag is is coming up i just i hope that they're able to work something out before we get to that point because it's just going to feel like the same song and dance until something actually gets done when she's like just expedite all the bullshit out of there and just get a deal yeah. done no for sure i think i think that's the thing right it's like there's still options for the Bears, but like the option that and, and we saw how the Colts. It's not like they're trying to sorry to interrupt you. It's not like they're trying to pay somebody else. It's like, oh, okay, well, we need to use a tag on him to be able to get yeah. like, another deal done. Or like they've got salary cap space. They have the money. Just like you don't and you, and you, and you saw the you saw the effect of what the Cole Komet deal did for the guys in the locker room. It was very much like, oh man, you like you're willing to pay people who you didn't select. Exactly. To actually go out there and get, if they actually go out there and produce. Dalen Johnson's answered all the questions. If you can come in under the Jair Alexander number, would I be happy? Sure. 19 million, right? Maybe uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs type number. But I'm not going to lie. Like, there's nothing that, that says, to me, Jalen Johnson with a pass rush is a better DB than Jair Alexander is. 
And I've seen Jair Alexander drop off precipitously pretty much since he got his money. Mm-hmm. Well, so some of that, I mean, it, injuries. Injury, um, yeah. I mean, he was like limited. He's got that DeAndre Ayton injury. I, I can't make it today. <laughs> I don't know if he got snowed into it. What was it? Iced into his house? They couldn't get him out the road. His house. He said they sent people from the team to get him, and they just came back without him. It was like, why didn't he just get in the car? <laughs> like, yeah, if they can get to your house, is the door iced shut? Like, I would, I've, that one was wild. Um, <laughs> it's another, just another Wednesday night in the NBA, I guess. I love but, it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, J- Jair Alexander, and of course, you can watch that game against Dallas and be like, yeah. okay. I see it. Like you know, you, they put up with all that stuff, like the limited in practice for five weeks or whatever. And like, it's like, why is he not playing? But he's still practicing. Like all of those things, you don't want a corner. You don't want to pay any player. And then all of a sudden, like the mindset, the just like everything shifts to where, okay, I got paid. I'm going to take care of myself. Like, yeah. I don't, there's no indication with the way that Jalen Johnson has handled his business of we're not going to pay you. Okay. I'll be there for OTAs. I'll or the end of OTAs when it like, you know, it was mandatory. I will be there for all of training camp. I'm not going to hold in, hold out, whatever it was. Yeah. I'll play. Okay. I got two takeaways. Let's go back to the negotiating table before the trade deadline. I want to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well then you force my hand because you don't want to pay me what I'm worth. Like, trade me like he talked the day after he you know that's just there's so many like little things that add up to somebody who is not going to just like screw the team over once he gets paid there's no yeah there's really no worry or no risk of that because of the way that he handled his business when he frankly other guys might not have handled it the way that Jalen Johnson did like okay you didn't pay me well screw you like he never handled it that way and He's still saying he wants to be here. Yes, like literally every step of the way where he could have been like, screw Chicago, I want to leave. He's yeah. like, no, like let's just hope for the best. And, and that's and we're like they have like a third chance now to get this right. Um, I just I just hope that they do. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the part that's tough about this, right? Like you might end up paying him best DB in the NFL money. Was he asking for that before? Because based on the conversations he was having. It didn't sound like that's what he was asking for. No. So are we going to look back on this and say, you said what? He told us that he wasn't asking for that. Like before training camp, he's like, I'm not looking to reset the market. I just want to be paid what I feel like as a fair value. Yeah. Like, but now he's going to reset the market. Yeah. I mean, and that's a risk that you take, but like, would you rather not have a cornerback who's playing to that level and be willing to pay the best of the best at his position? Like, he got second team all pro. I know he wanted first team, but he got second team all pro. Should've he got pro bowl. Team. Like he he checked the boxes. Like yes. they said, hey, go out and do this. He did it. So that has to be rewarded. If you want to like have a business model that works, you've got to follow through on the word that you give to players about what you're asking them to do. Hundred and ten percent. It's gonna be really interesting to see how this all kind of plays out. Uh we I do want to get to this though, because there's still something on both sides of the ball. There's something that needs to be addressed. How quickly does it need to be addressed is really the question. Talking about, of course, the coordinator positions. We're starting to see some names uh, get called in other directions. Shane Waldron has been requested to interview. Um, I mean, like, how quickly do the Bears need to get this done? Well, it's Thursday, and they put an interview request in. Jeremy Fowler reported this this morning with Marcus Brady, who's a senior offensive assistant in Philly. He was hired. 
he like you know hired there in 2023 so not like an on-field coach role so he was more right. in the background with like player with like personnel and um kind of like the game planning element but in Indy, this is the only coach, which is interesting. It seems like the Bears want to go with a Shanahan-style offense, yeah. and, and you can understand why. But this is the first name of the seven that we have heard um, about interviewing for this job. This is the first one that has like a direct tie, like, oh, he worked on a staff with Matt Eberflus, and he did yeah. in Indianapolis. He was there, I want to say, 18, 19, 20, 21, so four seasons with Flus. Um, started out as an assistant QB's coach, becomes a quarterback's coach, is the OC for one year, um while Flus was there and of course like it's you know you can look back at the numbers be like well how did the offense perform when he was the OC in 2021 that was like you know was there something that Flus really liked with that or is it just doing your due diligence to have a very large pool um of candidates to choose is that from? Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers that year in 21 he got yeah, screwed either way right. He got screwed either way, right? Like, it's like you, you had an opportunity to be there with Andrew Luck, and it didn't yeah, work out. Well, he got screwed either I way. I mean, everybody did on that staff. Yeah, yeah it was um, Carson Wentz that year. Oh, oh, so, like, oh, and that's that's the year. I think 21 was the year they, like, just missed the playoffs, like, by yeah. a game because they lost to the Raiders. Um, and Wentz could have wanted to put them in at, yeah. the, at the end of the year. Yeah, I, yes, so, 100%. I mean – you factor in all of those things. And I think it is smart to look at the quarterbacks that these OCs, OC candidates have worked with, um, the production that they've gotten out of them. But also, you know, it makes sense where they had how many candidates? Like four candidates heavy in the Shanahan system. Then there was Greg Roman. Then there's, uh, or you know, five, you include Thomas Brown in that because he worked under McVay. So five, Greg Roman, Marcus Brady under kind of like a Frank it's Frank Reich's offense uh, more or less because he was brought in and Frank Reich was there and um, he would fall under that tree. So it could be that they're just trying to do their due diligence to make sure they have a wide candidate pool. So it doesn't look like they're only going in one direction, but it kind of feels like they're going to go in that Shanahan Kubiak McVay sort of offense. And I mean, they didn't, they did last time because like, yeah. Luke Getzey coached under Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is a Ky- part of the Kyle Shanahan tree, all those things. But as far as timelines, so we know that once the Saints parted ways or they fired Pete Carmichael, Shane Waldron's name popped up for, hey, they want to interview you down in New Orleans. And I know that people are like, oh, man, that means, you know, the Bears better hurry up, like TikTok, because of, you know, other teams starting to have interest in guys that they're interviewing. But we haven't heard too many other names uh, yeah. of people they're interviewing that are being, you know, requested other places. So if Shane Waldron is their top candidate, they would certainly feel some pressure there to get that thing done ASAP. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if by like next week, cause I know that, you know, they have to, re- they have to fill, fulfill the Rooney rule requirement of interviewing, right. you know, I believe it's two minority candidates, part of the overall mix, um, which Thomas Brown, Thomas Brown is one. Yeah. Brady would also fulfill that requirement, but they yeah. also want to make sure that they have, you know, Ryan Pohl said he's going to be pretty involved in this one. And, and you can understand why. Like, look, look at how, what happened when they had to expedite the staff process in 2022 so they could start the rebuild and start getting their stuff together. Like, they hired two coaches that were off the staff by week nine this year, or like Matt Eberflus did. So I think that now that you don't feel like you have to rush necessarily, certainly it's like, 
you know, be quick, but don't be in a hurry. I think that logic applies here because you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence considering the issues that you had, like with your coaching staff twice last year were major distractions for this team. A hundred percent. No, it it was, uh, I I was not surprised at all. Like when I started looking at the list, I was like, oh, none of these guys have really worked with flus. That makes sense. Because the guys that had worked with him, the guys that he did bring in, mm-hmm. they're all gone. And like, it makes you every, wonder, like, who's really running the search? Like, who yeah. has the biggest say in that? Is this a, is this Ryan Poles picking guys that he has a lot of respect for, and yeah. he's presenting them and bringing them in, and it's you know up to the head coach to obviously have a say in that? Like, you just kind of wonder, like, all right, who's really pulling the strings? behind um you know behind the the scenes and here's even another one i just saw albert breers breers reporting that the bears are interviewing another mcveigh guy so rams pass game coordinator quarterbacks coach zach robinson he's interviewing today so there's eight um you can't get like but at some point it's like all right how many guys do you really need as part of the search but again this is why i said what i said last week like these are all names they're not like the upper echelon, like, oh, my God, this guy's going to come in and the offense is going to go a completely different direction. Like a right. lot of them have, it feels like a ta- like they're working on personality. they got to make sure you fit with the coaching staff, working on the plan for Justin Fields, working on a plan for another quarterback, all of these things that they have to present. But at some point, you have a deep enough pool where it's like, all right, let's start whittling this thing down. But if you have eight guys that have interviewed for this job, you can't just go from like eight to one and then be like, all right, offensive coordinator, here he is. Like this feels like this might be another second round sort of process where they go from maybe like eight to four or three candidates. And then yeah. they decide by next week who they want. But the timeline of this, it's just like, you're just kind of sitting and waiting to see like what they're going to do. But it, I think if you're a bears fan, you can be happy that it's not like they just found somebody and like, all right, this is the, this is the answer. Like they're, they appear to be going through, you know, multiple round, multiple interviews to make sure they have the right fit. Yeah, I, listen, I love it. I love that we're actually doing it because, right, when Flu showed up, it was basically just, here's your three names, pick one. And now it's like, okay, we're going through our due diligence. We're breaking this down. We're, we're actually digging deep, and we're looking in a certain tree. This is, it seems like the, the uh, um, Shanahan McVay tree is where we're looking mostly. Yeah. Love that. Um and I, I just I, I see the Bears actually going through a methodical process, which does lead me to believe this is probably Ryan Poles having a heavy say in things. One because also a lot, of, no, except for one, most of these guys haven't been with Flutes. Um, but also that this is how Ryan Poles does everything. It's not rushed. It's not jumping into something. It's not that's the guy that I want because mm-hmm. I've coached with him and I've worked with him and I've it's. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk to a bunch of people. We're gonna move slowly. We're gonna figure this thing out. And I'm okay with seeing the Bears do that because, like I've said, the quarterback position is a huge thing that you got to figure out. But if you get this OC decision wrong, people are getting fired. Yeah, no, I mean you've got to get it right because by that logic, they did not make the right hire the last time around. And yeah, you know if. I guess I guess one way of looking at that too is that if they do stick with Justin Fields and if the offense doesn't take off the way that they would hope with a new coordinator, then maybe you have the answer that the quarterback was the problem all along. Because right now we're pointing to, hey, the coaching staff was the problem. Right. They've got to prove themselves right in making that decision, which by by getting the right coordinator in, who then if it is the current quarterback or a different quarterback, you got to make sure that that marriage works better than the last one. 
yeah, it's, it's got to be fixed, and it's got to be fixed this season. We'll see what the Bears end up doing. More names getting added to this list. Love how they're breaking this down. Love how they're taking their time. Courtney, love having you on. As always, on a Thursday, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave that five-star view. You guys know what to do. Another edition of Chicago Bears podcast coming your way tomorrow. Me and Yurko breaking down. I, I never know. Friday's episode is just fun. I have no idea. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace.